0: Hello and welcome. My name is Karen O'Connor and you're listening to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with somebody that I've really looked forward to talking to and that is Pamela Anderson from Emily's List Australia. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Karen. So lovely to be here. I'm very excited to be part of uh, this conversation as well.
0: So let's just start with a little bit about, well, first of all, what EMILY's List is and then how you came to be involved with it. Let's get the background stuff out of the way and then we can move on to the deeper meaningful questions. All right,
1: let's do that. So um, <laughs> EMILY's List, first of all, EMILY is not a person. A lot of people think it's named after a person. It's actually an acronym. It stands for Early Money Is Like Yeast because it helps the dough to rise. So our core purpose is to help women once they're pre-selected um, to then run campaigns and to with the view to get elected. So wow. our core purpose is getting more women into government um, so that we can make sure that uh, good policy for women and families for put into place and remain in place. So that's kind of what, what, the our core purpose. We're also, um, fight for women's, um, we've got six values that we, um, underpin what we, lo- um, advocate for and what we lobby for and what we will fight for, basically. So we are a pro-choice organization. We do believe that women should have full autonomy over their bodies and that women should be able to make choices without fear of criminalization, discrimination or violence. We also believe, um, that, uh, gender pay gaps are equal pay is another one of our core values. We believe that, um, uh, just because what occupation You choose doesn't mean if you if you choose to take on a caring role, um, you should not be disadvantaged um, by taking on something that's seen as paid less in society. We know that that's kind of undervalued at the moment, or not kind of it is. And also that we also don't think you should be disadvantaged for taking time out of the workforce to care for your family, such as children, parents, uh, cousins and aunties. Um, And that should not impact you in retirement. That's something that we're seeing uh, a lot of women going into retirement almost uh, Um, poverty-stricken. We also believe that uh, access to affordable um, early childhood education and care is really important. It helps to get women um, into the workforce so they can go back to to careers that they want to go into. They're not just going to go back just to work, just to hold a place and all their money go towards childcare and we also know that it's really good for children from an early age to have that um, socialisation and those foundations nice and strong. Um, We also believe in gender equity. Um, That's something that we're really, really passionate about. Uh, Obviously, we don't believe that anyone should be treated any different because of the gender that they are or identify as Um, and we believe that everyone should be treated um, as humans and it's just basically a human right to be treated with respect. And diversity, um, we believe that we are better by having more diverse people in governments, in corporates, in courtrooms, in boardrooms, everywhere um, we think that we are much better by having diversity and that diversity includes gender, so women. Um, We've fought for the um, affirmative action laws, um, rules that you see within the Australian Labor Party um, where we actually have 50% representation of women in most um, states. Um, There are a few states that are a little bit behind but also our federal government at the moment is um, 50% women and actually in actual fact the caucus is 60% women. So we see much better policy coming from um, that balance. And we're also really excited to see to a lot of uh, diversity with culture, religion um, and, of course, ethnicity as well. We want to see a big culture around that and also ability. That's another thing too that's really important to have those. Everyone should be represented at, at all levels. And um, a new one that we've introduced um, just um, in the last 12 months is respect. So we believe that everyone has a right to live without violence and fear of violence and that's especially and unfortunately still happening to women and children in this country country and around the world. And we just think that that's something that needs to be completely stopped uh, as much as we can. So they're our six values. And that's really what drives our organisation. And that's how we d- decide how we will advocate, seek policy around, and also, um, you know, campaign around. So they're the, that's our core values. I was reading an article, um, I don't know whether it was from your website,
0: but I think it was in The Age, where they were saying that the, Emily's list is the reason that uh, the Labor Party has that equal representation as opposed to the Liberal Party, which, as you know, has a complete dearth of women, in it, yeah. particularly in cabinets. Yes. Julie Bishop's about the only one that I can think of. Yeah, but, yeah
1: that's true. Yes. that is our, So our founding members, so we were founded by Joan Kerner, Julia Gillard. Carmel Lawrence, uh, uh, some of the big names, and there was a lot of other hardworking women in the background that also helped the foundations. Um, we've got also legends such as, you know, um, uh, you know uh, Sharon Jackson, Candy Broad, Claire Moore, and we've got uh, also Cheryl Davenport, all founding members of our organisation, and I know I've missed some we've got an amazing core of like really awesome women who fought hard 25 years ago nearly 30 years ago to get those rules put into place so that today um the labor party um looks the way it does And, and they are all emily's list women um in some states the rule was put in just before emily's list was started but it was our founding members that fought for those those rules that then caused i suppose birthed emily's list so to speak so yeah
0: so, what is it you actually do? You, if if a woman wants to stand for government at any level, you help support her and train her. What do you do?
1: Yeah, so we don't necessarily get involved in council. Our focus is on state and government, and the re- sorry, state and federal governments. Um, and the reason for that is we want to get policy in that helps women and, and families. Uh, and with council, they don't necessarily have policy. So you know, gender equity policy, pay gap sorry, legislations, um, you've got, uh, you know, the, the equal pay laws, those type of laws, you know, pro-choice, so uh, 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 decriminalising abortion laws, they're the really, they're the big things that we have fought for that make life just simply better for for women and then flows into families and then just, you know, if you make life better for women, it's going to help everybody. Um, so that's the um, core purpose of what we do. But, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Yeah,
0: so I have a friend that went into local government, for example. She's the only one I know that's gone into any kind of government. She left after about two years because she found it so toxic. Yes. (laughs) And not just from the men either. The women who've been in there a long time, yeah, can be quite
1: vicious. So, Karen, it's interesting you say that because I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But um, I have... Local government's not our area that we don't necessarily, we don't help get women elected into that area, but we do provide training, as you said earlier. So we provide training uh, and then we provide mentoring and we provide campaigning. So we'll actually literally come out and campaign shoulder to shoulder Mm -hmm. with our our women. We fundraise for them. We really get into the nitty-gritty. But local government, I have have a few um, concerns about. I think there is a toxic culture happening in local government and, yes, it is happening to women and, yes, it's happening by women to women and also by men to women as well. So I think there's a really toxic culture in local government that needs to be addressed. There was actually a report done by um, the Vic State Government um, just recently addressing some of those issues. So that's something that uh, even though it's not in our, it's not really what we do, but it is something I I believe we have a responsibility to support all women who are elected. And so that is something that we're going to be turning our mind to very shortly to try and support, support women in that area because it's just people say to me oh can you encourage so I'm, i've got first nations heritage can you encourage more first nations women to run for it's like, well i know that there's toxicity in this level the difference the reason why it doesn't people say how come it's more toxic in local government and not so much in state and federal and the reason for that is it, firstly the media will call it out and also you, there's not there's also parties so you've got in local government most people sit as independents so they're not aligned to a party so you know i'll use the labor party as an example, so those state and um, federal government, you're aligned to the Labor Party. So the Labor Party has a set of values, and then now they've got a code of conduct. And if you start breaching those rules, they're going to kick you out. Do you know what I mean? So. And we see that happening with the Liberal government too, people getting asked to leave the party because they no longer meet their values. And so when you've got a party, I think there's more, you have to behave a bit more because there's a, there's a consequence. Whereas in local government, people can treat each other however they like. There's no consequences. There's no one's going to say, well, you've got to leave. Do you know what I mean? There's none of that consequence. So they can basically do what they like. It becomes incredibly toxic. It's not just toxic for the councillors. It then becomes toxic for the staff as well. And so I think that you know that's something that really, really needs to be addressed. If we want, to, especially if we want to get more women representing and more good things happening, we need to um, have uh, we need to address those issues, especially when it comes to gender equity as well. Because you're just not going to get there uh, if you if you're going to have that toxicity. Toxicity. No,
0: toxic, yeah. No. You know. And it's I just find it interesting that yes, it, it's okay, it's great. Like, don't get me wrong. It is great to have party lines like this is appropriate behaviour but hang on <clears throat> why isn't that why doesn't everybody see that appropriate behaviour is a basic requirement for being in any kind of representative position
1: well I 100% agree with you I think that there should be um the, yeah there should be codes of conduct around behaviour I mean the fact that you even have to have a code of conduct just to say be nice to people shocks me still but I mean <laughs> you see it you see it, but people seem to think that there is some exemption to good behavior for some reason. You see it all the time on social media, for example. People believe that they're allowed to treat people however they like. Um, you know, and, and there's sort of like, I suppose, there's no consequence for bad behavior. People just think they're allowed to do it. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it astonishes me. I, I agree with you. It astonishes me, but I, it, it just, The fact that we have to even have these conversations and go, well, people, we have to have a code of conduct that tells you how to be nice to people. You know, this is how you don't bully. Like, I mean, it's just, I I just, yeah, it, it shocks me still to this day. You'd think that in 2023, for God's sake, we would have worked out um how to be kind to each other especially after what we've all been through in the last couple of years you would think that there'd be a lot more kindness and a lot more front of mind to say you know what you know i don't agree with that person or that person's point of view is not what i would agree but let's have a listen see if we can meet somewhere in the middle like i mean that that, that's sort of how i think you know adults behave (laughs) i I was gonna
0: say you know having a code of conduct kind (laughs) of seems a bit kindergarten
1: (laughs) really is really is it's just it's just yeah it shocks me it does it really shocks me and it's and i i know this is really biased so i shouldn't say it but it, it almost it shocks me more when i see that behavior coming from women to women i know yeah. it shouldn't but um it, it, i just go oh come on guys like you know we we've all fought so long to get women into these positions we've fought so long to you know get this balance and now we're going to rip each other apart like come on let, let's push each other up there's enough room for everybody
0: that one of the things i was going to ask you about is the different kinds of discrimination and, and this kind of feeds into it nicely mm. because there's I grew up with overt sexism and oh what do you call it you know the patronizing kind of oh it'll be all right dear yeah. you know yeah <laughs> dad still does it drives me insane <laughs> but he's 85 so you know forgiven dad you forgive yes him. but there's there's so many more subtle kinds of sexism now aren't there and yeah. and, and it, you talking about the women? You know the the toxicity from other women is kind of one of them. It's almost uh, uh, what's the word, stepford wives, kind mm. of that. You know, women should be this, and all you women are doing it wrong because we need to be like this and look up to our man and
1: <laughs> pass. I'll pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah i mean oh gosh that's a really yeah that's a really good point i'm just trying to think yeah so there are different types so misogyny though is what underpins all of it and i think to something i'm sort of you know realize misogyny doesn't just come from men it can come from other women as well and misogyny is basically where you just it's that internal um viewpoint that oh because you are a woman you therefore don't know how to do x y. Like, I'll give you like one of the things that's always annoyed me is that women are bad at math or women can't, you know, manage money as well. well hang on a second, that's <laughs> not true. Do you know what I mean I've got a seven year old and if you ask her what's your favorite subject, she says maths. Do you know what I mean and she's damn good at it. And interesting, I was similar as a as, as a when I was young. I was good at maths, good at maths. And then when I got to be, you know, and everyone starts telling you that oh, actually, girls aren't good at maths. So, you know, so then it's that sort of that, it's, it's that behavior that's instilled. And oh. it's that, so that, that's, that's, I think what you see a lot of. It, it's, and I think there's a lot of good stuff been happening too, to try and break those, I suppose, gendered stereotypes. It's just that, that subtle type of, it, it is misogynistic, I think. It, it all comes under misogyny. I mean, we don't have this. Well, we do still have people pinching people on the bums and wolf whistling and stuff like that. It, it's that doesn't happen as as often. You'll see the subtle, you know, uh, subtles, uh, which is you know exclusion. It's uh, possibly you know um, not sharing of information, which is something that is uh, you know quite awful. Uh, so you see that sort of stuff happening. But I think yeah, it all comes down to it's just that tone of misogyny which just needs to be thrown in the bin how
0: do we combat that though because that i mean if i look at even school kids <laughs> certainly when kids hit the high school years
1: it is ingrained yeah i i don't claim to have all the answers for it but um i think that <laughs> the i think really it starts it's it starts with showing showing especially young girls um showing them what they can be and then and celebrating um i think so if, if i'll use an example i was talking to some women the other day and one of the women said that she was the first girl in in one of the her area to do woodwork and that was in the 1980s to participate in a woodwork class and she had to fight to be part of this woodwork class because they were trying to send her off to sewing well that's so, know i mean like that that's crazy like you know i think having more women and and encouraging more women and telling women you can be a plumber you can be an electrician you can be all these other things you can be a ceo you can be an accountant um you can be you know financial advisor you can be all these roles that you might see mostly men in but we need to see more women in these positions we need to celebrate the women in these positions and we need to show these teenage girls that there are other occupations than say hairdresser teacher um, child care, you know. You can work on a construction side if you want. You can be the, the dogman whistling to, for the crane. You can do these roles. There's no reason why you can't do these roles. And if people, I know historically they'd use, oh, women, have, you have to lift things uh, above a certain weight. Well, it's not good for anyone to be lifting anything above a certain weight. So that's rubbish, I mean. So thank goodness for um, discrimination laws which prevent that sort of rubbish from occurring. But, you, you know, I think this idea that, you know, women can't do something because they are weaker. Women can't do something because they don't have the, or, or all women are, are unintelligent in a particular area. It's absolutely ludicrous. Um, if you look at the um, our makeup, we're actually no different mm-hmm. to men. Um, and we have the same brain structure. We have the same, I mean, where we do differ is obviously through puberty, but, I mean, we don't actually have the, the different in, in intelligence levels from men women you know um so it's just crazy to think that that we couldn't do something that a man could do and it just i think for me i've got two daughters i always encourage them to do whatever they want to do i don't ever say oh no girls don't do that i know that when i was learning to drive i wanted a bigger car and dad said no no that's a boy's car i said "Mm, i think i want it now so I always say to my daughters, uh, they say, "Oh, no, that's a boys' color." Even though they're little, they oh, that's a boys' color. I said, "No, the no, no, colors don't have a gender; it's just a color." So I think there's we, we can do a lot with our own family, with our own, you know, networks, just by changing language. I think it's really big, important one. Allowing people to explore and then encouraging more women to go into these spaces where where we don't see a lot of women. Encouraging these women and then celebrating them when they're there as well to try and encourage more women. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and it works vice versa too, doesn't it? Because how it does. do we get the men to accept traditional women's roles as
1: being okay
0: for them to go into?
1: I agree. And look, I remember in my, one of my daughters, both my daughters and they went to childcare, um, there was a young guy who was working there and I thought, this is great, awesome, right? But then some parents complained. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was absolutely heartbreaking and I thought that poor guy, He wants to work with children. He could be like, oh, why would he want to work with children? Because he probably enjoys playing with kids. Like, not in a creepy way, but, you know, like, you know, he wants to educate early, you know, early education. They're educators, by the way. They're not, they're they're professionals. Mm. They're educators. He probably wants to educate that foundation level. And I thought, how wonderful to have a young guy doing that. But unfortunately, he got pushed out because people made it awful assertions that why would a guy want to be in that role? Well, Because he probably wants to educate the young minds. He, can, he understands the importance of that age group and says, well, let's educate them now. And I thought it was just brilliant. But unfortunately, he did leave because of that. And you're right, it goes both ways. Uh, you know, there's not enough male teachers in schools at the moment. We need male teachers in schools because especially, um, you know, we're we young, young boys, they need to see that um, men can become teachers. I think teaching is a fantastic profession. Um, and I think it's really sad that uh, a, lot of the, a lot of men are actually walking away from it. They're walking away from it because of preconceived ideas that people are applying. And that's something that we also really need to address. I don't have a solution for that, but that's something that we really need to start thinking long and hard and say, well, you don't ever presume, uh, assume some awful allegations against someone because they want to take on a particular role.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I mean, <laughs> one of my second son, he's an actor, so... Totally in touch with his feelings, (laughs) as you can imagine. But he had a part-time job where he went into daycare centres to do the singing and dancing a few times a week. But then think of the Wiggles. The original Wiggles were all men, you know, and they were all primary
1: school teachers as well. (laughs) I know. I know. I think I just, yeah, an occupation should have no gender, really. Let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's just ridiculous to, uh, you know, start gendering out I, I i personally hate the stereotypes that we apply to people and i think that's 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 the issue it's, it's funny i actually saw someone talking about how this is probably a little too far but how um gender reveals uh are, are already stereotyping i was like oh okay well technically yeah but you know they're kind of fun but you know technically yeah, yeah you might I, be right
0: i watched um there was a program on it a, a couple of months ago about parents who are choosing not to reveal the ident the gender of their child until the child chooses when they're like seven, eight, nine, chooses which gender they want to be. And and I think of my, so I had two sons, then two daughters. So I had, let's call it boy toys, just because my eldest was in (laughs) trains and Lego. So we had (laughs) trains and Lego, everything Thomas the Tank Engine and everything Lego, it's fine. So when my eldest daughter was born, Having worked in the construction industry myself, I was like, yeah, I'm not buying any girls toys. I'm just not going <laughs> to. Don't see it. When she was about two and a half, she went to a friend's house who had all girls toys, dolls, prams, feather yeah. boas. My daughter thought she died and gone <laughs> to heaven. She put every feather bar on. She's in the high heels, the sparkly skirt, everything. She'd never seen any of that toys till then. But it's a personality thing, you know, because when I think of my second son, who's the actor, he liked to dress up too. She likes to dress up. The eldest one wants to build stuff and make (laughs) railways, you know. Youngest one was just music and art. It's all different. 100%. It's great that I got to see that difference and that it, you know, I did wonder at the time, like, oh my gosh, is that just built into her that she's a girl and she wants all these, these goals and wants to push brands? I never
1: wanted to do that, by the way.
0: <laughs> but the youngest one didn't. So it's just, it's interesting.
1: It is, and like you, I've I've got two girls, and like you, my older one sing and dance and all that, and and you know, whereas my younger one, she she likes she she's obsessed with the Barbie, but she wants the aeroplane and she wants the cars, and she wants that sort of, I so, and then and Lego, and like I mean, we just we like you, we sort of, um, and having said that, my oldest one was obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine for a period of time, which I don't really like that show; it's too annoying, it's a bit <laughs> creepy. So I mean, no, it's fine, it's fine, but yeah, so it's, it's yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's important for kids, especially just to let them explore, right? There should be no, oh, you're a boy, so therefore you can't dress up like that. Yeah. I think it's just, I think we put too much pressure on, uh, on, on kids, but then you don't, and then there's, there's the opposite way where, you know, it's, you know, no gender at all, and all that. I mean, look, I don't know what the answer is. It really does come down to the, each individual kid and each individual person as to what's going to work for them and to each family. But I just the one thing I would say is just don't teach your kids to hate people because they're different. Mm-hmm. You know, like just you know, I suppose maybe that's where all this toxicity toxicity starts. Like, don't if you're you know, don't teach your kid to judge someone because they do like to, if it, if it's a boy and he likes to wear high heels, then great. You know, because I don't know about you, but they've been always been wearing high heels for a very long time, you know, go all the way back to the French royal families and in the 18, 16, 17, 1800s, they all wore high heels. Women didn't, men did. So, you know, um, they all wore pink too. So, you know, it, it's just, there's been, a, it's, it's been a society change that's actually de- deemed these things to be a particular gender. So I just think it's really, there's an opportunity for us in our generations to start teaching our children Just to be nice, and just to be don't don't, and just accept people for what they are, and uh, and just to embrace that, embrace liking everything. You know, why can't you play with dolls today and then play with trains tomorrow? Mm.
0: I I struggle with the, especially younger people when they are afraid of something different, because I think that's where a lot of it comes from, and and I. I struggle with that. I, oh, my goodness. Why at such a young age are you so afraid
1: of difference? I agree with you 100%. Uh, and I, I really I think that that's that's the concern. Young people should be exploring. Young people should be open to different, you know. Like I know Yeah, we we embrace in our household, we embrace, you know, great, that's awesome, what's different, you know. Unique, let's be honest, unique is fun, different is fun, you know. I don't right. really want to be the same. That's going to be boring. <laughs> I know.
0: All the same, boring. You're boring. I know. <laughs> so, when you let's let's actually go back to <laughs> topic here. Sorry, no, it's so it's great. Going to be great. This is my usual episode. <laughs> let's just go all around the moon. <laughs> Talking about when I suppose I'm coming at this with a specific question in mind, or not? No, no, not question. Specific assumption. Okay, good. Here's my terrible assumption. If a woman wants to go into politics, it's generally because they see an inequity and they want to change it. If men go into politics, it tends to be because they like the power. (laughs) Vast generalization there. Apologize to any man who doesn't fit into that that little little hole that I've just (laughs) built. (laughs) 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 But how do you, is there that kind of difference? And and no, I suppose that's not where I want you to go. I think what I'm asking is how do you support the women? Because going into politics to make that kind of difference doesn't seem to be the general reason for entering politics, certainly in the last 10 years. Seems to be getting way more towards I want to create my own little fiefdom. I want everything to go my way.
1: Yeah. Look, I know a lot of guys who are in politics for the right reason and who are doing it because they genuinely want to see um, change. There's a, they're, they're there because they've either had grown up with adversity, or they've been around people who've grown up, and they want to actually go and change things. And they they want to see the world get better. I know a lot of um, male MPs who do that. Um, but yeah, you are right. The major- I'm not going to say all women, because there are going to be some women that are going to want to go in there for power. That's not. That's not. You know. Um, should we quote that? But I think a lot of the women we work with. Uh, well, I'm going to say all the women we work with um, uh, are there because they they generally want to see they want to see better policy for women. Um, they want to see the world a better place for um, for families. They want to see um, more inclusion. Uh, we've got a lot of women who will come to us and say, I want to run because I represent my community, a multicultural community or a cold community, and I want to represent because I think that, you know, we don't have enough people who who look like me in 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 parliament i think we need to be represented in parliament and i also want to fight for this particular um a change in in, in legislation and law and some of like awesome that's great you know and we'll support them we support them by training them firstly so we do these training courses um that show that really gives the Nuts and bolts, and then also the nitty gritty stuff I so said what you need to know we uh, and sadly, we also have to teach our women that they that women get more attacked when they're campaigning, so women will get more vile social media, women will get more um um, verbal attacks they're at higher risk of being stalked all these other things but we also teach them how how to how, how to work through that and, and try and encourage them for that not to be a deterrent my concern is that sort of stuff is a deterrent to some really good quality potential candidates the media we know will also uh, attack more progressive women as well um which is something that is awful um, they'll, they'll always have a negative, there's more comp, not always, there's more negative spin against a, a progressive woman than there are of, of a conservative woman, um, which is really disappointing. Um, and we, so we, we do these training programs that tries to help them work through that. We give them mentors. Mentors are really important because mentors, that person that will help you navigate through these things when, when it gets difficult campaigning is not an easy thing to do so it it can be quite you're giving a lot of yourself to the public and people for whatever reason think when you give a lot of yourself they're allowed to say what they like about you which can be quite confronting and difficult but having said that there's a great great group of network women especially in our organization that will come and support um, the the candidates during that time Uh, and then we physically will go out in the letterbox we train people how to phone bank we train people how to door knock um and we stand there um on election day and hand out to people and say hey vote for a great woman uh, woman and so we do all those sort of things we support in that way but it's uh it's it's you know as for you know wanting to go in with the right i think if you're not going in it for the right reason those type of things that you're going to face so if you're going to get attacked by media or you're going to get attacked on social um socials it's going to be harder to do it because you don't have that End goal. If you're just striving for power and then people are coming at you for all, all directions, that's sort of not going to drive you, I don't think, to the next level because it, it's being a candidate candidate's not easy. It is it is hard. Um, it, it can be quite exhausting. And so you need to have that real true belief that you're going to do something great, that you really want to do, that that the change you want to make is so important to you that you're gonna keep pushing through. And that's what I think keeps a lot of the people going. That's a really good point. How did you get started
0: with this in Emily's List? So
1: so I got started in Emily's List because um, just after the 2018 election when um, the Morrison government was voted back in, and I was just angry with the way women were completely and utterly ignored. And I've also been a math always been a massive Julia fan, always been a massive Joan fan. So you know, always sort of heard what Emily's list was. Was a member for a while, but didn't really sort of you know get involved. But got really active in in Emily's list after that because I was like, no, we need to get. Um, We need to get good governments in. We need to get good women. And so I started to get involved by just going to the local meeting. So I live in Victoria. So going to the local meeting in Victoria, we have one in each state. And so going to the local meeting, uh, meeting with some awesome fierce feminists. So it was really cool. We would have these amazing conversations. We would talk about, you know, uh, you know, great stuff that had been done or things that should be done. It just became like you walked into the room and went, "I think I found my people." Um, so it was just, uh, it was just amazing. Um, and then after a while, after a few years um, working with the and getting active and helping and, and with events, organizing events and getting involved in fundraising, I then became the stage co-convenor. Um, and then I have a I have a financial planning background, so I got um you know i like i say tricked but that's not very nice i um uh, i then became the treasurer because it it's a fantastic and an honor to hold that role and then um our previous ceo um was uh, decided that um it was time to move forward that you know she'd done her she'd done what she felt she could do with the organization and decided that she wanted to move on and um so I sort of uh, put my hand up and said, oh, okay, I'll give that a go. And uh, here I am, the CEO. So it's been, um, it's been a, an amazing journey as a CEO. Um, we've worked on five campaigns, I think, and I'm um, very excited that each of them have gone our way. So not that, you know, we're the, but we like to think we have an influence on
0: yeah. <laughs> it. I was going to say, how do you train a, a political candidate? What is involved in that?
1: Yeah, so there's like basics to, you know, there's a few other programs around the traps too that are training women on the basics of campaigning or becoming a candidate. So, you know, you've got your pathways, you've got your politics in colour, you've got a few other groups that are um, coming together and doing that training. But our training is more specific for the party. So we, we train our women on how to fundraise. We train them on what you need to do um, in order to be successful with phone banking, um, engaging, a, get, how do you pull together your campaign team because you can't do it on your own. And we sort of really give them that checklist of what they need to do to pull together a really strong team to then have that that support behind them to then go forward. And then we um, also help them, if they are successfully elected, we then also help them with um, uh, some documents that we put together that helps them put their office together as well. So um, it's just it, it's yeah, so it's mostly um, training about how to fundraise, training about what the laws, what the rules are around campaigning, uh, what you can and can't do. And then there's obviously the more party specific stuff, which we can do because we're we associated with the Labor Party. So we do more Labor Party dedicated training for our candidates. So, yeah. And what does that involve? So it's more about, you know, how to navigate through the party, how to, you know, get yourself seen, how to, um, you, know, sh- you know, demonstrate to, you know, your, your the, the particular party that, you know, you're someone that they should definitely have as a candidate. Um, and so it's those type of little things that, you know, we sort of teach them what they need to do to get to that um, level where they can be successful for pre-selection. We don't get involved in the pre-selection side of things, but we do definitely... Um, get get, get them enough knowledge that they know how to navigate their way through that system, which could be quite, you know, unique.
0: As you're saying it, I'm like, (laughs) I kind of know all this, but I was completely not present to it at the same time. (laughs) 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 It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I know we all know how the political process works, but I don't think I've ever thought of it from if you wanted to stand as a representative, exactly what it takes. And, yeah, it's interesting how intricate it is. Like I know there are a few other because the the Liberal Party doesn't have anything similar. Does it have anything similar for for the men? Is there something similar for men or is this just, like, specifically created to support the women in the Labor Party? Is that the only one that is available?
1: So we are exi- we are, we are only here to support women in the Labour Party, but I have been told that the Liberal Party has just recently started something similar to us to try and support women through um, their party, which we think is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. really hope that they have a lot of success with it because we're not, we, we, even though we only support, and the only reason we, we only support Labour women is because of We want them to be progressive. We want them to be looking at the policies that we believe are important. And whereas and and the the Liberal Party, we want to see more women in that party. We want to see more diversity. We want to see better representation because it's important to have all sides of government well represented and robust enough to really drive the country forward.
0: Yeah, and even throughout Parliament, like it shouldn't just be, you know, the party of men, which is kind of the way it's going (laughs) Is the Liberal Party, and then you've got the
1: Diverse Party over here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And look, I don't know, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if the Greens have done anything, but it would be good if they did. But the, for, independ- for those that want to run as independents, there's things like Pathways to Politics and Politics in Colour, and a few other organisations that are coming to the front um, that are able to do that, those type of things as well. So the government's actually invested quite a bit of money in trying to get women to. Get interested in getting elected it's something that they've actually done they've had been quite a few grants that they've actually given to organizations to try and help them to encourage more women to get elected and so that's something that's really front of mind which i think is really great and there's also been a, a really strong program for local um so local government as well so there's a big program on at the moment so i, I can actually get the details to you later if you like and if you want to um, share it but there's a there's some uh, programs too to help local women um get into sorry local government uh, women to get into local governments which is also a, really it's a local government's a good place to start if you kind of want to dip your toe in the water um it is political though a lot of people think oh it's not political but it is very political you are entering into politics uh and so i think that's something too that surprises a lot of people when they get to local government
0: yeah it surprised, it surprised my friend and that's like a country town as well which is far more conservative far more set in the ways but also in a way, completely removed from either state or federal
1: politics because it's a little country town, you know? Yeah, and look, councils actually play a big role in those country towns. Mm. They're actually very important in those country towns because often they are the, the main sort of point of contact for any discrepancies or any of those. And often you're talking about a lot of the issues in country towns may be more around... Council-based issues, so you're talking roads, you're talking accessibility properties, you're talking development, um, or you know uh, licensing, you know permits. Sorry for um, farming, etc. So that's probably that's more of a local government level, and so you know th- they play a bigger role, I think, in in regional.
0: So what happens when you actually get elected? Do you support people then? Because like for anybody that's not listening in Australia, who's not in Australia. We've had a lot of bad press just recently about the misogyny and Mm -hmm. the sexism and the sexual assaults and all sorts of predatory behaviour, particularly in federal, we hear about it in federal government. I have no doubt that it kind of filters its way down through state government and everything. Do you support women
1: through that process once they've got elected? So traditionally we we haven't given a lot of support. Um, so our model is, so there's an Emily's List USA and our model was a little bit based on that where you got them elected and you went, see you later, but keep the door open for the next woman to come through. But we're actually finding that when women, especially new women, when they're elected, so we, we do assist them to find buddies in, in parliament. So other women who can help support them. Um, we also do check in quite a bit with them and make sure that they're okay and provide any support that they might need. But it's, it's some of, it's something, and we also will help them. Campaign to get re-elected as well, but not to the same depth that will help new candidates. So we do support them, um, but we also keep a relationship with them because they that. That's how we want to put forward policies or 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 you know talk to them about policies that are important. So, for example, we're working with um, some of the women's uh, health ministers in different states at the moment to try and in, improve um, uh, some of the abortion laws in in through. I'll use Victoria as an example even though it's decriminalised accessibility and affordability is still an issue and so we want to make sure that that's addressed and that you know any women who need some health care can access it not regardless of where they're regional or um or or, if, or what's in their um, bank account we don't want people to be disadvantaged for that and so we're really wanting to address affordability and accessibility because that's something that um we know is still causing a problem especially in regional parts of um of states uh and so we're working with the health ministers to, to get those type of policies addressed to try and get better conditions for women uh and to make sure that you know healthcare is healthcare and it's and it's and it's treated as healthcare so
0: let's just move briefly because i'm looking at the time we're going to have to yes. finish up in a few <laughs> minutes but which is a shame I have so many questions i want to <laughs> ask Let's move briefly on to Indigenous women as well because you're on, you've recently created in Emily's List an Indigenous program as yes. well, haven't you?
1: Yes, we have. So I've got ancestors who are Aboriginal, so I'm very proud to be uh, associated with the Yorta Yorta and Gona'a kono mobs um, and that's from my father's side of the family, so I'm very, very proud of um, that ancestry. Um, and as as that, I'm a big believer in leaving the door wide open and putting a hand out and helping them step up. So we've created we've embedded First Nations Emily's List Australia which is called Fenella at the moment, we may change that name. Um, and that's designed to help get more women First, First Nations women um, elected, but not just elected too, getting getting them encouraging them to work in policy, encouraging them to work in ministers' office, encouraging them to work in MPs offices. So there's a lot of careers that can come out of um, politics as well. You don't just, if you don't want to be an MP, you don't have to be a, a, a member of parliament. You could also potentially work for someone and have just as much influence if you wanted to. So we're really working hard on that place. And that's um, that that's a continuation of um, a project that was started many years ago by Joan Kerner, which was called PEN. And there's some amazing founding members of that as well. And uh, that PEN project was designed to get more multicultural, more um, First Nations women in, into um into wanting to run and get elected and so for is like the next stage where we're actually and we've got on our on emily's list national committee. i think we've got four first nations women now which is the largest number we've ever had in history so we're very proud very proud of that
0: isn't isn't that terrible like in this day and age it's like i've oh got four women we're so proud like four Indigenous yeah. in this Far out. That is, and, and particularly, like, even if you take it at a local level, there are very few Indigenous councillors locally, and yep. then that feeds through too.
1: Yeah, so there's only, I think, only one in Victoria. There's only one First Nations uh, councillor in Victoria. Um, there's, uh, I think there's quite a few up in North, uh, Northern Territory, there's quite a few First Nations people up there. So I think there's a total of something, someone said to me like 200 First Nations councillors oh. in total around the country um and majority of those like a 100 or 160 are from northern territory and queensland so wow. um so the bulk of them are from there majority um so yeah it's pretty it's we should be having more considering that you know well first Nations people have been here for so long but um <laughs> but they haven't always obviously been given the opportunity or the rights so that's something that we really need to really need to be aware of as well because
0: that adds a, a completely, an apologies for saying Indigenous, should have been First no, Nations. No, that's fine, well, That's fine. It should, like, that's like the double whammy, isn't it? Being Indigenous
1: and, or being First
0: Nations and a woman is,
1: it's <laughs> yeah, great, and basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's something that in the first wave of feminism, a lot of First Nations women did say that, like, yeah, right. for, for, you know, White women fighting for feminism—that's great. But we're just fighting for rec- a lot of First Nations women at that point in time. were just fighting to, for to be to to have the right to vote, just to be considered as a citizen in this country. So that was the that is something that we really uh, are aware of, and that's why we have such a big focus, and we are so keen to get more First Nations women interested involved in local government's fantastic getting involved in working for mps getting involved in a policy and working in these systems where you can actually make this change and that's where it's really important to do that
0: so just before we wrap up i'll put all the links to your websites and everything fantastic. on the the page uh, that goes with the episode but thank you so much it's been so much fun talking to you
1: thank you i really enjoyed it too karen so much fun thank you
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and don't forget to rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you're leaving with some thought-provoking information that can make a difference in your life. See you next time.